This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, it's Haley. Happy Monday. Welcome to Kindled. I was off last week because I was on vacation in Florida, which was a much needed break. It was incredible. We were celebrating our 10-year anniversary. And uh, so I took that opportunity to just take a break from publishing. And I'm back this week with a uh, much requested and anticipated uh, episode on artificial intelligence and kind of the future of uh, tech when it as it relates to Christians, because um, as you might imagine, there's going to be a lot of crossover. We've seen with COVID uh, just how quickly technology has advanced in even just one year. And so the guest that I have today is someone who is actually an expert in this space. Um, I will say Conducting this interview, I felt like a fish out of water in a lot of ways because this is not an area I know a lot about. And so you might even notice that I am kind of, uh, I, I have to think through what to ask next because as as he was answering my questions, I even was like a little bit shell-shocked or surprised by some of the things that he was saying. And so I had to both process it for myself personally, but, and then also figure out, well, okay, where do I want to go with this conversation? So I will just give you that as like a heads up. If you notice that I seem more hesitant, that's, that's why, um, because there's just a lot to think about and process as we are, at, you know, in this entire area of technology and especially as it relates to, uh, what we've seen this year with COVID and then where we're going from here. So all of that to say, that's what today's episode is about. Also, I know Bob Scott personally, and I actually designed the cover of his book. So he does make a reference to me when I was little. Um, that is because he knows my dad. He's friends with my dad, and they've known each other a long time. So I know him personally. He lives here in Kansas City. So yeah, that's just a little side note. I don't think that I mentioned it in the interview, but you'll hear that. Um, before I get into that, I want to do a couple announcements on, um, let's see, number one. Leave a review for Kindled if you have not done so. I have been so grateful to see a lot of you uh, doing that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Hop into the Apple Podcast app. Leave a five-star rating and a review. It doesn't have to be super long, just a few words. I would appreciate it so much. It helps people find Kindled. Second of all, if you want to join our Patreon community, uh, that is the place that you will get bonus episodes from me every single Friday. They're called Firestarters. And the other thing that you get when you join Patreon is new monthly live hangouts. We're doing one tomorrow night, not in person, virtually. I know I wish I could be in person. I would prefer if it was in person, but a lot of you guys and a lot of the people in Patreon are all over the country and all over the world. And so we are going to do this virtually on a Zoom call, um, a video, a Zoom video chat. So we will all be able to hang out, see each other's face, 
Um, it's going to be fun. We'll, we're going to have kind of a, a popcorn style uh, chat this first time. Um, you know, it's sometimes we'll do Q&A. Sometimes we'll do, you know, we'll talk about a specific topic. It'll be a, just a chance to kind of connect with me and with other ladies who are in the Patreon community, um, because that was something that I heard from them was that they wanted to connect with other like-minded women. And that is exactly what this community is for. And what you get being inside this community is people who, uh, I think like you do see things the, the same way you do, not maybe entirely, but at least for some some large part, see the world the same way and have the same worldview. So, um, which that's hard to come by in these days. So that's going to be fun. Um, to learn more and to join us, go to patreon.com slash kindled podcast. Um, okay, those are my only announcements. So let's get into my interview with Bob Scott. Bob, thank you for joining me today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Tonight it is. It is evening as we are recording. That is true. As we look out our windows, it is dark out there. It's black. Black as night. Um, so, so is this a coffee chat, like a late night coffee yeah, chat? Is that what we're doing? I could use coffee, but I shouldn't <laughs> because it's eight o'clock and I don't right. be up till one a.m. But uh, yeah, why don't you introduce yourself to listeners for anyone who has not heard of you? Well, my name is Bob Scott. I am the author of a book called In the Company of Joseph, When the Past Becomes the Future. Um, I do a few uh, blogs and podcasting and a a few things like that. But uh, my passion is um, the moment that we're in, which is something I've been waiting for for quite some time. So we're at an exciting time, even though for some people, I think they're a little nervous. Mm -hmm. Yep. That would, I think that would describe a great many people. Um, No, I'm glad we're going to, we're doing this. You know, one thing I I just want to say to you is, is, is I'm, I'm grateful that you want to talk about this subject um, because of the fact that your generation more so than mine um, is really going to be impacted by w- what's developing and and how it's developing and, and where it's going. And so um, mm-hmm. I know your generation uh, aren't big readers. They're m- m- more podcasts and mm-hmm. this kind Consumers, of thing. So I appreciate right. the opportunity just to sit down and, and dialogue with you. So, you know, as we go through this tonight, feel free to, you know, ask me any questions you want, because I'm hoping at the end of it, you know, there'll be some some understanding maybe we can clear some things up and Mm -hmm. help people kind of understand where things are going well that's what i'm here to do is ask you questions so so since you just mentioned understand what's developing why don't you um you know you've got an interesting book title in the company of joseph why don't you kind of give listeners um the high level view, if you would like, of what your book is about and what it is that you see that is developing. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about, I'll tell you a little secret about the book that not many people know, which is the fact that the beginning of the book was written after the end of the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the reason for that is, is that I have, um, I have, had a passion for 30 years. I have spent my life working with athletes, people in the arts and entertainment world, people in the geopolitical sector, and 
people in the business world um, who I call the Josephs. And what my message to them has been is that while within the church world, there's sort of been this myopic view that most of what God does happens in church through people in the ministry, it's exactly the opposite. In fact, most of what God does actually happens outside of church through people not in the ministry. And I use Joseph as a type. You know, Joseph mm-hmm. for me is a biblical figure that sort of typifies what I'm talking about. And um, all through history and hours of crisis, God always raises up these type of people. Um, and so we're in a stage right now in terms of history and what's unfolding that um, we're, we're, we're going through rapid change quickly. So what happened with the book was, is that I had, was writing about the Josephs and my uh, colleague, Brad Cummings, who was the ghostwriter and publisher for a book called The Shack, Um, got all excited about the manuscript. And he said to me, you know, there's something you're not talking about. Like there's something missing in this book. And it's like, there's a reason why you think these Josephs are going to play a very significant role in the days ahead. And I said to him, yeah, but I don't want to write about that. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I really don't want to write about what I see coming because of the fact that it'll make the book, it'll switch the focus around from, from the Josephs to, you know, um, I'm afraid people will start thinking like this is another late great planet Earth or one of these sort of end time books. And I don't want the focus to be on that. And he goes, no, I disagree with you. So we had a big fight for about six months over that. And he ended up winning. So I actually went back and and wrote. Now, um, what's interesting is, is, you know, there's, you know, I don't know people, a lot of people said the book is prophetic. Well, it may be, I'll let other people figure that out for themselves. But one of the things that I learned years ago, and it actually came through a dream. And in this dream, I saw this hand reach the top of, uh, and open up the top of my head and drop a seed in. And um, I was all excited for what that seed contained. And then I opened my mouth and little seed popped out and fell into the ground and didn't do anything. And I was so disappointed. And I was like, well, but that thing had so much potential. Mm. And then a few minutes or some period of time went by and the same dream happened again. And the top of my head opened up and that seed got dropped in. But this time I found myself doing that pose of the thinker, you know, the statue of the thinker. Mm-hmm. And I pondered for a while. And when I opened my mouth, a whole tree slid out. And I realized that wherever this dream came from, there was a truth in it, which is that when God shows you things, you really need to hold them for a while and let them mature. And so what I did with the book is I had been holding on to the things that I had been seeing for quite some time. And then when um, when I sat down and wrote, what I decided to do was instead of just kind of, you know, spew out a bunch of information that had no context, I decided to go and research. And so I spent four months hiding away in Branson, Missouri, digging to find if I could find any clues to give people tangible proof about what I was talking about. So what makes the book interesting is, is it not only, you know, sort of is a prognostication of, of what's coming, 
I actually show you in the book um, actual proof that it's already here. Like there are things happening. Now, mm-hmm. what, what happened last year was the book came out in February and there was a lot of pushback against it. And then the pandemic hit. And while I never really, you know, I never predicted there was a, a, you know, a pandemic coming. And so, you know, I've said to people, you know, I didn't see any, you know, Mm -hmm. any pandemic, but what I'm aware of is that crisis has a way of pushing technology forward. Mm -hmm. We've heard that even this year that it accelerated like the digital space by i don't know like five to 15 years or something oh my god it, 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 i mean we just went into hyperspace mm-hmm. and that's that's what happened and 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 we're not going to ever go back right and that's something that people have to realize you know um there's a you know um paul you know the hebrew writer um you know, who was proficient in Greek, used the word logos, and logos meant all-knowing. But he actually borrowed that from a Greek philosopher by the name of Heraclitus. And Heraclitus actually had another kind of interesting quote. And his quote was, the only constant is change. Mm-hmm. And that's the hour we live in. People have to understand it's, you know, as much as we like to feel secure, in the predictable we're moving into a time when the change is going to be accelerating and that's something that i know has got a lot of people unnerved but what technology the type of technology that is has been developed in the last few years and is in development now is going to accelerate change rapidly the cycle of change is gonna is gonna um, is gonna flip fast, and that's right. something we have to get ready for. So you mentioned at the beginning, kind of how um, God has always raised up people like Joseph that operate outside of the church body to actually kind of um, move history forward, I guess, in a way. And and uh, so so that aspect of you know the title is clear, but what is the book really about? Like, if you could just kind of give people you know, in a couple sentences, what, what is your, uh, you know, your overarching thesis, I guess, if, if you had to put well, it what I'm trying a, to a get sentence. people to understand is we are standing on the threshold of unparalleled change, both in scope and speed. So the speed of which change is coming and the scope of influence is unparalleled. It's never happened in human history. Mm-hmm. Never. In terms of technology alone technology, or in other just technology, but technology is going to impact literally every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. That usually, you know, when you tell people that, um, of course, you know, some get excited. I mean, and I talk about that in the book. There's a whole personality type that's sort of their nostrils flare and they get excited because they see opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's another whole group of people that get scared by that because they like they feel safe in the status quo. Yeah, I don't but get all excited by history that. <laughs> and the sort of the testimony of the biblical narrative is that in these hours of crisis, God always raises up people. Mm-hmm. And I um, 
believe very, very strongly that what is um, about to happen or what is happening and is going to continue to happen, that um, that what God wants to do is bring alternative solutions, that he wants to raise up Joseph's. See, what, what's happened in the Christian community is that we've become so focused sort of on church and building churches and stuff like that, that we've, and we've just defaulted a lot of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just in let go of a lot of things and soon, you know, that what those guys out there, well, what's happened is, you know, to use an, you know, a cliche statement, we're caught with our pants down right now. Mm-hmm. We're in a situation where there just isn't a, a bunch of alternatives. So um, the good news is, and, and, and I, I can't really discuss this here because um, these are all very, very, um, it's just important that I, I don't talk about, but I will just say this, that I am keenly aware in the last 12 months that exactly what I predicted in the book is starting to happen. There are people out there who um, are looking at old things in new ways and coming up with some very, very innovative tech um, solutions that will give us some alternatives. So that's what I'm, what I'm really trying to get the, the Christian community to sort of wake up. It, it, it's like we've become so comfortable sort of defaulting to everyone else to build the systems for us. And, you know, we just sort of have our little church meetings and, you know, and sing and, you know, talk about the Bible and all that. And we'll just leave all that up to the other guys. Well, suddenly now we're finding ourselves being further, uh, more and more backed into a corner. And when you say that, what, like you're kind of speaking, you know, um, overarching i i see what you're saying but like as a specific example in what areas do you see us being backed into a corner as as christians living in this day and age well in the tech world for sure right so the tech world we're we're so far removed from that world and now what's happening is the you know one of the things i write about in the book is that if you take the top five tech companies right and you combine their net worth, they are the fifth large or fourth largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. I think about it. They're the fourth largest country mm-hmm. in the world. Right. And, and I try to warn people about this last year, the power that they have mm-hmm. is so huge. And people don't real didn't realize it. Well, what's happened in the last year through COVID is mm-hmm. we're all starting to realize right now just how much power they do have. Right. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's become think very clear. about it, you know, whether right or wrong, when one guy, Jack Dorsey can decide on Twitter who he's going to keep and who he's not going to keep. Mm-hmm. So, so here's what makes the world so interesting right now. If you think about, history you know in the in the ancient world you know initially um all information was transferred by being in each other's presence we talked right then we figured out how we could write stuff down on papyrus or stone and information moved a little bit that way then you know gutenberg developed the printing press and we decided we figured out how that could right so over the course of time information has moved quicker and quicker. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, I mean, if you think about it, you probably your children right now probably have more knowledge of more things than a lot of the ancient people in the ancient world did. I mean, yeah. we don't realize how much information. And the reason is, is because we have technology sitting in our hands called a cell phone mm-hmm. through which we are. It's like a little it's a walking 24 hour hour seven days a week, 365 days a year, little television. I mean, we, you know, an interesting story back in 1984, um, we had a church in Kansas city when you were little mm-hmm. and the VP of sales from sprint came to see me and he told me something really interesting. He, and this is back in the day when, you know, I wasn't even born yet. I, what? I wasn't you born yet. Born. There you no. go. Well, you know, cell phones were like, like, look like bricks. I mean, they were huge. Right. And they just had a, uh, a, a pad, you know, a number pad on them. And he looked at me and he says, there's a day coming when we will view the world through a little rectangle. Our whole view of the world is going to go through a rectangle. Wow. And he started telling me where, you know, where things are going and it's true. Right. So, so what's happening now, if you think about this, Never in the history of humanity have we had the capacity within a few minutes to reach more people instantaneously. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just unparalleled. I mean, that couldn't happen 20 years ago. Right. We, we've already advanced a lot. And then in the crucible of 2020, it's gone even further. And but I guess to, to your point, we've also it has served us in the sense that now we're aware of it, even though it was already um, progressing and it, it would have continued to progress at some rate. A lot of people did not understand or believe, or even it just had, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been able to understand or believe with their, unless they saw it with their own eyes that they could be kicked off, canceled, you know, uh, basically removed from the internet, from existence in the digital space or sphere, deplatformed, demonetized in five seconds flat if right. these places want to. And and that's been pretty crazy, I think, for a lot of people to watch just how the, you know, the marginalized narrative of conservative wrong think in this, you know, in this liberal, um, uh, you know, mainstream media world, uh, it it rains and and the conservative viewpoint has it is slowly kind of being washed out or pushed down or you know put at the back of the algorithm basically kind of um pushed out which well, is you know we're concerning. not that you know what i've tried to explain to people is what we're witnessing right now is not all this that dissimilar from what happened in germany after the mm-hmm. first world war and right before the second world war mm-hmm and, and a lot of people have said that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, most is there's so few people that actually study history. Yeah. But if you really go back and you look what was happening in the culture, it got to a point where there was an elite few mm-hmm. that were telling everyone where to look, what to see, how to interpret it. There was yes. a, you know, we call it yes. political correctness. They didn't have that term back in the 1930s, but yeah. there was a PC-ness. Yeah. And if you didn't, within that PC realm, you were ostracized or eliminated. I mean, that in the worst case to know you were eliminated. Right. And in many cases, you were, you were ostracized. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, and, and what I, what concerns me deeply 
you know, we were talking about this earlier. I don't have a problem with technology. Technology is neither good nor evil. Right. It's just technology. What I have a problem with is the human soul. Because we have a default setting towards self-centeredness and selfishness. And that, that selfishness, um, I did a, a talk uh, last year about the epidemic of narcissism, that we're in a, a state culturally, you know, mm. that, you know, we're all talking about COVID, but there's actually been an, um, a, a disease called narcissism that's infiltrated our whole culture. We've become very self-centered, self-focused. That's actually what's fragmenting our culture right now is it's all about me. So what, what, what's going on right now though, is that, that in this um, self-centeredness is always the drive to control. It's not new. It's been there for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. There's always been a few that have wanted to control the many. Yeah. So that's not a new phenomena. So, you know, what I, some of the things that I'm addressing in the book, it wasn't like, you know, I had some great prophetic revelation. I'm a sociologist. I, I study human behavior and, and, and this has been human behavior for thousands of years. What's changed is never before in the history of the world have the elite few who want to control the many had more power to do so. They have not only the motive, they have the means now. Right. That's yeah. And so that's I was explaining this to somebody um, today mm-hmm. that um, and and I know people feel it, but they're they're they don't always know exactly what's going on. But within our universities, within the Davos crowd, um, there is a mindset. And the mindset is, is that because we've either been successful in business we've been successful in politics or we're an academic, we're smarter than you. And it's, it's actually um, a new form of Arianism. Remember Arianism was, was the whole Nazi thing that there was this race of people that was superior, right? Well, it's not race centric now, but there it's, there is a group of people and it's that whole Davos crowd and, and the globalists who all believe that they're smarter than everyone else mm-hmm. and that they need to save the rest of us from ourselves because we're all idiots. Right. You get that vibe from Bill Gates as well, who thinks yeah. that he needs to save the world from the people that inhabit it. <laughs> well, and, and it's so interesting because once you see it, and I, I've been behind the scenes, I've sat in those meetings and I've listened and it's just shocking because it's so normal. Like, you know, we talk about subculture, you know, norms, and there is a subculture within a, a, the elite that's so normal to them. They don't even realize it, but they're delusional because they, they don't, they don't see it. So one of the, like, you know, what's interesting, like one of the guys that really fascinates me is Elon Musk. Yeah. Cause right? he's not that Elon way. Musk. No, but here's, here's the, here's the paradox. Elon Musk is one of the guys who, like me, is warning people about the dangers of unreined in technology, right? He's one of the ones that have basically told people, you know, we're, we're dancing with the devil. Mm-hmm. 
At the same time, who's one of the guys pushing technology? He is. Right. And the reason for it is his ego. Right. He wants to be wants the status, right? Right. Of being one of those guys that was the first to do something. And so the, one of the tensions you have in what's developing right now is you have a whole boot, bunch of guys who are so driven by their egos to be the guy that comes up with this cutting edge technology, blah, blah, blah. But none of them are actually stopping to think about the consequences. They don't care. They're not, they're not concerned with that. They're considered, their only concern is being lauded as being a pioneer, the guy that was on the cutting edge, getting their awards, getting their name in the history books. I was the guy that Right. Which goes back to your, your commentary earlier on the human nature and the selfishness and sin sinfulness, obviously the depravity of man that we, we understand that without God, you know, that is going to be the default setting. And that is, that is what we're seeing unfold. All right, guys, I want to interrupt this podcast just to let you know about my sponsor for today's episode, Guaranteed Foods. My friend Leanne works with them and she is offering Kindled listeners a $100 food credit and a week of free food if you try out Guaranteed Foods. This offer is only available for listeners in Kansas, Missouri, parts of Iowa, and Nebraska. So if that's you, listen up. Guaranteed Foods offers all natural foods delivered to your home, helps you eliminate shopping hassles, and cut down on meal preparation time. It's not only more convenient than traditional grocery shopping, but also a lot less expensive than eating out. It's a way for you to save both time and money. Leanne helps you customize a menu to specifically fit your individual needs, dietary preferences, and your budget. And then Guaranteed Foods delivers those foods by appointment on your family's schedule. So one of the biggest differences between Guaranteed Foods and traditional grocery stores is that they provide all natural, fresh cut protein products, fruits, and vegetables. There are no additives, chemicals, tenderizers, preservatives, coloring, filler, or water in any of their all natural products. Not only that, but they also provide a hassle-free guarantee on all of their over 600 food items. So if for any reason you're not happy with the quality of any food product you received on your order, you call them and they will exchange it, replace it, refund your money, or credit your next food order. And I have tasted this food myself, and it is excellent. The quality is high, the taste is amazing, and what I love most is the ease and simplicity of preparing it. So if you want to check this out, text KINDLED to my friend Leanne. Her number is 785 979 7970 for a $100 food credit and a week of free food. Again, Leanne's number is 785-979-7970. All right, back to my conversation with Bob Scott. Um, So, you know, bringing it kind of to what, what people have been experiencing lately uh, with, you know, the, obviously the cancellation of, you know, Parler, the conservative like alternative platform, to the censorship of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, um, that's still down. Like, you know, they still, they're still not even back up. Um, right. So obviously we've seen that big tech has a huge role in our experience as, as uh, just humans, as conservatives, as Christians, as, as anyone really who does not fit what you were describing as that PC. If you have a thought, if you have a, a thought that doesn't fit, you know, the new speak and, and then, then it's wrong think, you know, according to Orwell's 1984. And so what role does 
you know, are we going to continue to see big tech play in the future? I mean, I know you can't predict the future, but I, you have studied this and you have written about it. But what do you what do you kind of envision um, continuing to develop here? Well, I mean, I, I think what I think we're 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 almost at a breaking. I mean, it's there's a certain point here where the Christian community is going to have to divert. You know, we've been living in the world and been very content in this space but we're we're reaching a point where our values our morals and our ethics which are the foundation stones of the kingdom of god are in direct opposition to what's happening so one of the things i talk about in the book which is is coming it's not here yet but it's coming quickly is that within the world of technology they too believe humanity is the weak link in the evolutionary cycle right and what they are d- believe is that we need to develop artificial intelligence and the reason being is is that artificial intelligence has the capacity plugged into the internet to process all knowledge i mean if you think about this google is is has committed the biggest theft of of intellectual knowledge of anybody in history right mm-hmm. in other words and they're making a fortune off of other people's information but all that information is stored and so what what there's this sort of delusion and i write about it in the book that they've even started it like some of these guys are starting a church and they believe that they are creating god that 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 they are creating the ultimate being. I mean, they they think it, they're creating a being who and 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 because of the fact it's artificial intelligence that it will be unbiased and fair. And I quote in my book some of the speeches that these AIs have even given at the UN, where they've actually told people, "You need to let go and let us make the decisions because we're smarter and fairer than you." Wow. And so that's where things are headed. That I mean, in in there, there's a, a a whole drive, and this is what's going on behind the scenes. So what I tried to warn people about in the book, I said, you watch what happens because right now AI is sci-fi. But within the next decade, it's going to be so integrated into our daily lives. I posted the thing this week on Facebook where Google actually has told all of their people to only let stuff that uh, that reflects positively on AI out. I mean, they're controlling the narrative that this is wonderful, that we're, we're creating this, this, I mean, and, and people don't even realize it, but you call into, you know, some of these companies like Spectrum or AT&T or whatever, you're talking to AI. Right. That's an AI that's processing what's going on. And then at a certain point, they may turn it over to a, a human being. But everything's moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason being, one of the, so it's about fairness. But the other reason behind it is, is that we're in a situation where our value system is so skewed that efficiency is at the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, but again, this was a trick. This was, this was Germany, 1930 efficiency, right? They were, I mean, if you go to the Nuremberg trials, the, the Germans were all confused as why the rest of the world was so upset with them because they were so good at what they did. Hmm. They were like bragging about how efficient they carried out the genocide. They were completely oblivious of the fact that this was a reprehensible moral and ethical problem. Right. And we're in that same space within the tech world right now. They don't have, there's not a moral ethical foundation here. The people that are driving right. this do not even have a spiritual worldview. No. They see humanity as bits and bytes. Yeah. I mean, they're looking right. I mean, a, <laughs> There was a whole thing this week where Microsoft is actually working on the capacity to download all of you, your life, your story, everything into a robot so that your relatives after you die can still communicate with you. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, I, I posted some stuff today about this. Um, we're at. I mean, so you got robotics and you've got AI and the two things are, are you know, the what. COVID's done is accelerate the whole robotics industry. I mean, it's accelerated its development already now in Europe. You know, it's robots that are actually um, waiting on the COVID patients. They send in the, the robots with, with the meds. You're going to see robots everywhere. And then watching the next 24 months, you're going to see robots everywhere. That makes my, my stomach sick. Like, does that not like... I mean, does that freak you out? Like, I feel like that's just very concerning. Well, again, I've been aware of this for five years, so I've, I've been dealing with it. But yes, I, I totally understand. it. I mean, I get it. It's 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 got a lot of people. Um, it's going to cause a lot of people to rethink some things. And and we're I, I you know, I don't want to sh sugarcoat this. We're we're going to have to make some choices about how we want to live. Yeah. So, and and those yeah. choices and I, and I I remind people all the time, your the choices you make are actually based on the foundation of your values. What you have to actually stop and take stock of is what do I value? Like what's important to me? In the tech world, at the top of their value system is efficiency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In other people, it's relationship. Mm -hmm. And other people, it's quality of life, right? So, so based, you know, there's all kinds of different things. And and what I guess part of the reason I'm I tried to get this book out is I want people to stop and think. Like we were, you you can't wait. It's not things are unfolding so quickly, and you have to make life choices right now because you're going to be pushed into a corner. You're you're not going to have choices there's a certain point where you're not going to have choices and, and what you're talking about with parlor, what's happening with Twitter, what we're seeing with the tech. I mean, they're the arbitrators of our morality, our ethics and our values. Right. Well, and they're the platforms that, you know, it's just been, it's been unreal to watch how quickly and swiftly they remove and, you know, add the warning label and prevent you from seeing the image. They don't want you to see and say warning sensitive content when it's like, a picture. I, there was one you probably saw this, like um, Santa bowing at Jesus's cradle. 
Mm. This had a sensitive image. It was like very, there was nothing bad about the image. It was like, I mean, I wouldn't say it was something I loved, but the point being it was around Christmas and it was like, you know, the point of Christmas is Jesus and Santa is realizing that, you know? So it was sort of like a tongue in cheek kind of thing. And anyways, it had this warning label over it. It's just been crazy to see how effective they are at, um, you know, gating any content they don't want you to see. And yet like child pornography is still rampant. And I mean, Instagram has all of these terrible, very sketchy and outright, I mean, accounts that are, that are posting, you can tell they're definitely minors, maybe Mm -hmm. not, you know, completely nude, but like at least very suggestive, very inappropriate things that should not be online. Um, and you report them and I have, you know, if, if people send me stuff because of my platform, they'll send me, check out this account, report them. We're trying to get them, take them down. You know, you report them and the and Instagram immediately sends you a response in your notifications that says, you know, this does not violate our platform standards. This does not violate our community. <laughs> <You're standards."> like, what? <laughs> and it's like, but, but a conservative viewpoint or saying, right. Electri- election integrity is important or anything else that might be considered kind of against the mainstream narrative. Those are things that are just so swiftly and, and efficiently, like you said, taken out of the game that it's like, Oh, wow. Well, so it's like the whole COVID thing, right? Remember when there was all this discussion early on about that? What is that? Hydrochlor whatever that- hydroxychloroquine. Yes, exactly. Yes. Right. And so if you said anything yes. different, Right. Then their narrative, it got, got blocked, right? Yeah. Right? And then, like a month or so, or a few months back, the medical journals that all were anti this suddenly come out and go, oh, well, actually, we were wrong. Yeah. Right. But did anybody hear about that? That no. any of these social media platforms who blocked everyone and told everyone, you see what I mean? Yeah. So, again, who, who is arbitrating what's true here? Right. And what you realize is you've got a small group of people who are ideologues, right? Who have, so, you know, they're biased. And, and one of the things I read about in the book is, is one of the, the problems they're having with AI is they're trying, they believe that AI is going to be unbiased, but they keep trying, they keep finding bias, mm-hmm. right? Well, uh, it's human beings and we're all very biased, Right. We can't get outside of our own bias. Like that's just the crazy thing that they somehow, like you said earlier, you know, well, we're more fair than you. I mean, fairness is not even a real, it's not even a real concept. Like it's not, it's not a biblical concept. Like you've got justice, but that isn't even fair. You know, fair and justice is, is just what is right, but it's not actually what is fair because what is fair is that we all like burn in hell forever. And that isn't God's definition, you know, of justice. He actually provides justice through um, Jesus Christ and, you know, makes us right. But like just all the, the definitions and, the concepts that are just so con- misconstrued and distorted provide such a poor foundation for all of these decisions that they're making on top of it. And it's just, we're getting further and further away from the truth and from reality even. And then so, obviously, so, so that's the negative side, right? Right. Here's the positive side. I, okay. You got to help me. Cause I'm not really seeing the positives here. Okay. So, so what did parlor learn? They learned a powerful lesson. They were they like the rest of us, right. presumptuous. And they put their 
platform on Amazon's servers. They gave up control. Mm-hmm. Had they had their own servers and their you know their own server farm and their own stuff, Amazon would have had no power to stop it. Right. So what I keep trying to get people to understand is all of these. Th- it's like these. In in some ways, you know, God's being merciful. It's like there's all these red flags going up. Like there's we're getting all these warning signs, and God's screaming at the top of his lungs. Right. Mm-hmm. There's opportunity. So what I'm trying to get people to understand is, is there's pushback coming. Christians are going, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Well, think about this. We have opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Create our own systems. If we don't want to be controlled by Twitter, we don't want to be controlled by Amazon, we don't want to be controlled by Apple, We don't, right? the big five Google, then we need to create our own alternative systems. So does that, you know, does that look like, okay, that means we have to have, because this, this kind of this thinking, how does it not lead to having our own ecosystem completely separate from the world? And then does that then lead us to a place where we are now not in and not of We're we're not in, not of, we're just not in and not of, you know what I mean? As believers, we're just not completely dependent and, Mm -hmm. and, and depending on where things go, we may not have a choice. See, this is this is the great unknown. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, and and you know, I don't again, I don't want to get all apocalyptic here, but you know, we've got um, some religious communities, the Hutterites, the Amish, the Mennonites, people like that. Well, people forget that the reason that those religious communities got isolated was because during the Reformation of Martin Luther, they decided that they were going to pour water over each other's head and get rebaptized, And for that reason, they were considered heretics and everybody tried to kill them. So they were fled into the mountains. And these were the reformers that were killing them. So, so there are moments, I mean, and, and you, you saw this all the way through the Roman empire. I mean, there are moments where the Christian community just for survival does have to, isolate we're not there yet but i still tell people you know i said you know just think this through a hundred years ago 70 percent of our population lived in the rural areas and were self-sufficient now two percent feed the other 98 percent and nearly within the next decade 70 percent of our population will be in the urban areas well, when you live in the urban areas, guess what you're dependent on? Systems mm-hmm. that other people run, which are all moving towards AI right now. And the reason why, because it's more efficient. Right. You know, there's a reason why they're putting fiber around all these cities. There's a reason why 5G is coming. 5G is the super highway that AI runs on. AI is a data hawk. It uses massive amounts of information. It just, you know, it's, it needs huge pipes, as it were. And that's what 5G is and why they're putting 5G up everywhere. Well, that's because where they're headed with everything is they want everything to run. Our whole electrical grid, our sewer systems, our, you know, our stoplights, 
You know, everything in the city, they want to run on, on AI. They want the whole system on AI. Well, now what are they doing? What? Well, guess what the, you know, if you've watched what's been going on in, uh, uh, with this whole thing and this riot in Washington, the way they got all these people that were there is they're using facial recognition technology. I think it's Clearview is the company. They've got like 5 billion images of people. Mm-hmm. So the police departments are using, you know, facial recognition technology. I mean, people right. don't realize you walk into an airport, they're already scanning you. Right. Every airports, they're already, there's already an AI in the background. We already have in our, I mean, our defense system has got a, an, a massive AI called sentient that actually is constantly, you know, you know, monitoring everything they were using. They started doing this facial recognition down in new Orleans a number of years ago. They're using it now. They want to, you know, how you, um, uh, these door doorbells where they have the little video thing, you know, what I'm talking Ring, about, yeah. you know, where they, you can see on your phone, who's at the door. Right. The police departments are wanting to tap into that now. I thought they already could. No, not some in some places. Yes. But I mean, like to become a normal thing. Well, no human being is going to sit there and monitor all this. Right? Right, right. You need a machine. So all of your urban areas are are going to within a decade be run by AI. Mm hmm. And so the then, way you you operate your life, the way you interact, it's all going to be AI driven, facial recognition, biometric mm-hmm. stuff, you know? So then like, where do you see, you know, how, how does a Christian determine, you know, where to draw the line? Like what, what, like you, you mentioned morals, ethics, and values. I mean, some of those things are, uh, you know, given to us as absolutes in scripture and others are somewhat up to our conscience to determine right. for our family. Like for instance, a vaccine, you know, it's your choice. If at least for now, it is your choice, whether or not you choose to to protect yourself in that way by getting a vaccine, it's, it's an advancement of technology. And if you want to partake in it and you do, you look at the numbers and you do it, and otherwise, if you're convicted, otherwise you don't have to. So, I mean, do you look at some of this stuff as gray area for believers or? Well, I think we all got to make our own choices, mm-hmm. but I'm a little older now. And, and, and from my experiences, I would say it's always wise to have a plan B. Mm-hmm. In other words, always have another you know always have a, a a way out in other words and 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 we're seeing that it's what happened with parlots happened with a lot of people there was no plan b mm-hmm. and somebody in power suddenly pulled the plug and you're gone right right and there's no plan b so the, like I, hi, yeah so if you take that to like you know down to to someone living in a home on the grid in a little hoa neighborhood like mine and let's say in 10 years, they've tied my online presence and my opinions and my religious views to my electricity. And if I say the wrong thing, my electricity gets shut off or my water gets turned off, you know, know. that sort of a thing where it's like, you've got, you know, well, have you seen what, so what's the, what, so this is, I mean, I know you're on top of this stuff, but have you, have you noticed what's going on in Washington right now? 
I have not it's looked not into the it fact that deep. you're a conservative. You are now a radical. You are problematic. Mm -hmm. You are dangerous right. to our country. Mm -hmm. You see, I mean, you see this coming out in the statements. There's a whole viewpoint. Oh, Washington, D.C. I thought you meant yeah. Washington State. Okay. No, sorry. Washington, D.C. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. you see what's going on. It's the same thing. So again, if you use our analogy with Nazi Germany, it was those Jewish people. Right. They're the reason that we have these problems. Mm -hmm. And, and you see this happen all through history that there's a group of people that tend to be, you know, the sacrificial lambs. They're the, we're going to blame them for the problem. And right now you're seeing it, the re, you know, it, and, and what's really frightening about it is the hypocrisy, the duplicity and the double standards, because the people pointing the fingers have all been doing the same thing. Of course. And I mean, the, the crazy thing is it's like under the guise of, you know, they're, uh, you know, how Biden just reversed trump's order to quit teaching critical theory in government right. you know in government um trainings and all of that well now that is the you know we've got the education piece back in place now to continue to indoctrinate future generations as well right. and that's happening in schools as well i mean i know that curriculum is just going crazy um towards liberalism and secularism and so right. And so it's almost like, man, what, where does it end? Does this really turn into another Nazi Germany situation or, um, or is there going to be some sort of a, a turn in the tide? You know, we've got, obviously in the United States, we've got checks and balances hypothetically, but right now we have fewer of those because of how the election went. And, and so we're in kind of a challenging spot where it's like, you know, we can maybe ride it out for a couple of years if things don't progress too much, but who knows? I mean, well, with, with exactly. 40 executive so, orders in, in like two weeks, like that we could be in an, another country in two years, you know? Well, again, though, what, again, I'm a social, I mean, sociology is my passion. If you look across the world in Eastern cultures, like China, the population's compliant, right? It's a very authoritarian structure. I mean, all the way from the family, the way the yeah. family structure is, Right. So in China, where you have over a billion people, right, they're very used to somebody in authority saying, this is what you do. And everybody lines up and goes, yes, sir. Right. It's the same way in Europe. I could tell you a bunch of stories of experiences I had there in the music business where the population defaults to people in authority. Right. America, and this is one of the things that is kind of, uh, what do you call it, a subplot of what's going on right now um, at the global level, is America's unruly. Americans are fiercely independent. Well, I shouldn't say America. At least half of the population is fiercely independent. There's a whole, yeah. I, I write about it in, in the book, that there's a whole part of our population that actually doesn't want to be responsible for any decisions and will default to people in authority so that they can be responsible. Mm -hmm. There's another half of the population that's like, don't you dare make decisions for me. Mm -hmm. And in our culture, 
you know, um, historically, I mean, you got to remember our nation was actually birthed in rebellion, right? Like we just went, no, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's still in us. Yeah. That's still in our cultural DNA. So, um, that's, that's the unknown in terms of our own country right now, where this is all going to head. It's very likely, um, based on, um, what I see that we're headed for a huge conflict. Like, like this thing is going to get really ugly. Mm. That's like strike. That wouldn't be the case in in China. You wouldn't see that in Europe. You're not going to see that, but there's a, a population. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a population here, a significant about amount of the population that doesn't like what's going on. That's why you're seeing what's going. They are terrified in Washington of that group of people. Right. They're terrified. I mean, you know, I'm not a big Trump guy. I didn't never really like the guy's personality, but they're terrified of him. Mm hmm. That's why so many Americans love him because he's he's been one of the few, if yeah, not the only, to stand up. They're terrified of his influence. They right. they are doing everything they can to cut him off at the knees mm-hmm. because they're terrified of of his independence, his freedom. So if you think about this from the globalist point of view, which is what's going, on, we're the reason why America has to be um, brought down. Mm-hmm is because you know we're kind of like the wild black sheep cousin we don't fit nice and neatly in the rest of the world's sort of cultural compliance right we buck the system we and buck if you're the system. if you're familiar with the great reset then we really buck the system you got it you see what's going on right now so that and that's the battle with that's going on here and you're going to see this over the next four years there's going to be a huge battle here because the whole idea is is we've got to you know we've got to basically take there's going to be a constant push to get the wildness out of us the independence mm-hmm. out of us when you say battle are you talking civil war are you talking well that that i mean that's the ultimate I, I hope it doesn't come to that but depending on how far they push mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and, and who's in power. I mean, that, that's an, there's a war going on right now. I mean, a huge war to silence any right. sort of opposition. I don't know if you the, read the, Rod, the narrative. Right. Did you read uh, Rod Dreher's book, Live Not By Lies? No, I haven't yet, but I've talked to him a few times because he loved my book and I, I've loved his stuff, you know, the Benedict option. Yeah, I've not read that one, but yeah, that you would well, love the Benedict not option addresses what you were talking about earlier about lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Live Not by Lies is, is kind of, uh, I think, a continuation, not, not a continuation, but it is about, you know, how Christians survived in um, communist Russia and the Eastern Bloc and mm. how they really went underground and, um, and just re- refused uh, the totalitarianism by continuing to hold to their beliefs. And they rejected, right. um, you know, the pressures around them. And uh, what's really interesting is he, he said that 
really the war was not going to be one that was as blatant and in our faces as you know the the civil war mm. uh that we had on on this land it was actually going to be more of a soft totalitarianism where mm. you would be coerced into the action they want you to take by making your life hard or removing your access from going to the grocery store or making it you know so that you couldn't fill your car up with gas or whatever um, and, and basically pressuring you into either following the rules, doing what you're supposed to do. You know, I mean, obviously they can't really make you believe anything, but they can sure change how you live your life. And, and well, it's so, like the, my pillow guy, I don't really know yeah. that whole story. Right? right. But now all of these department stores have taken his product out. Right. And you're like, really? You know, you may not like his idea or how he thinks or who he supports, but to literally, you, you know, take his product out of your stores. Right. Wow. Crazy. I mean, I mean, I mean, wow. I mean, that's just, I mean, when you think about the ramifications of that, right. Yeah. But we're, we're seeing it. We're seeing, we're seeing how that, I mean, whole you know, people suddenly canceled products canceled, you know what I mean? Companies canceled. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very dangerous situation we're in. So what is your recommendation? How do you, in, I mean, how do you encourage people? Cause I know that you're not all doom and gloom and obviously you live your life every day. You know, you're not, you're not cowering in your house, hiding from facial recognition software or whatever, but, yeah. but what do you encourage people to do in light of what you see coming? Well, again, you know, understanding how God works, there's opportunity in crisis. You just have to have eyes to see. And, 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 you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Schindler's list, mm -hmm. right? In Schindler's list, there's a, funny scene that's not really germane to the movie but they're all like in in the ghetto right they're all in 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 the ghetto and i don't know what it was somebody needed you know cigarettes or something and this little jewish guy like goes down in the sewer he's got a whole stash in the sewer right of products mm -hmm. and and I, and I laughed i mean i laughed out loud i felt so embarrassed in the theater but i mean that's so jewish Mm -hmm. like they're they're like in the like they've been rounded up by the nazis they've lost everything and this guy is still figuring out a way how to make money yeah. how to do opportunity the jewish people have been doing that for thousands of years they have this amazing capacity to see in crisis an opportunity mm -hmm. and it's something that um we've sort of lost it's like we've you know, the thing that, that I fear is we become so soft. We've become so like we we're, we're, we've become so cushy in our American prosperity and we just default to everyone else. Mm -hmm. Everyone else does. And then we just like, Oh, it's just it. And, and one other thing, I'll just give you one word that is going to be a challenge convenience. Yeah. See, we like convenience. I know you're talking about Amazon there. Yeah, it's it's convenient, right? Yeah. But if we're going to stick to our values, we might have to be inconvenient. And that's like, huh? I mean, that's hard. I mean, those are those are some hard choices. Could being inconvenienced 
is not something we like. I see this all the time when you're out there and, and things don't go right for people. And I like throw hissy fits. Because, you know, it's didn't it's, it's like the, our expectation. We expect to be waited on. We expect this to be on top. We expect, right? It's just, we just are so, live in such a, 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 a culture where we have such strong infrastructure and everything runs so smoothly that we just, everything is convenient. Right. And unless you get out of here and you travel the world like I have and you get to other places and you suddenly realize, oh my God, I live in in nirvana i mean it's like i mean just wow life is so easy there's so little resistance yeah but i i I travel all over i'm in africa and i mean just the simplest thing is complicated you know just getting gas you have to sit in line for three hours you know what i mean it's like you go to the grocery store we have an old aisle of cereal and you go to africa and you got one white box with black letters says (laughs) cornflakes that's Uh. you that's it. You see what I mean? Oh, it's like, we're, right. there's so many things that we're used to. And I just think there's a wake up call We're there's a, a shot been fired across the bow last year to the church COVID for all of its negative and depressing and, and, and heaviness that it's brought. It's has been a shot across the bow to the Christian community to wake up, mm-hmm. wake up. And, and quit looking to everyone else for solutions. Figure some out. Like, why don't you be the original come up with something original? So, you know, more and more as the control, as the few try to control the many, people are going to look for alternatives. There's mm-hmm. going to be opportunities for innovation and for business to supply because it's there's going to be a niche market. Yeah. And you, you see that you see that all the time and in, in other little things. And it's a, a little niche market for people that don't want to be a part of that. So Amazon right now, I mean, I mean, they've just taken over everything. I mean, that it's frightening to me how much influence they have. Yeah, it is. But it's like, you know, does a Christian go and create an alternative Amazon or do we all just have to go in person and buy everything we need, you right. know? But yeah, that's like, like, right. like you're saying, thing, and that's, it's in, and I tell people really, I mean, living outside of the city is an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. It's an inconvenience, but it's also independence. Right. Yeah, man. Some, some very challenging things to think about for sure. But I, I think that you, you're right. That believers do need to at least stop and think. You know, we really do. If you're not stopping to think after everything that's happened, you're you're probably just being foolish or putting your head in the sand, you know, and pretending not to know. Uh, do you have any like kind of parting words of wisdom or advice? Uh, what you know, for someone who's feeling a little bit overwhelmed by this conversation, maybe it's the first time they've thought about it. What would be something that you would say for them to focus on first? Well, I know people don't want to hear this. But it's the truth. If you're a Christian, the reality of it is, is that Christianity flourishes under resistance. So that true. we actually get in trouble when it's all going good. Mm-hmm. That's so true. The, you know, Revelations talks about the Laodicean church. 
And I've tried to explain to people that, that the harder you press on the kingdom of God, the more it grows. Mm. Resistance builds strength. Mm-hmm. So good, yeah. I am of the perspective that the more we see resistance against our community, our values, our morals, our ethics, our worldview, the stronger we're going to become. Yeah. I see that too. I mean, even just on a personal level, I've seen that over the last year. So I would imagine- I tried to warn all my ministry colleagues in my book that the expression of Christianity was going to change and that they'd be wise to move away from the large building centric sort of show Sunday show thing and think more of smaller, you know, relational. Mm-hmm. And nobody believed me. They all went like, no, 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 right? And then COVID hit. And they're all like, oh, hey, Bob. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, there's incredible opportunity right now because one of the things that people are realizing, because remember, resistance builds strength. You know how much people are starting to value their relationships? Mm-hmm. So Suddenly true. they have value right now, right? And the reason is, is because so many of them have been taken away from us. Right. The ones that we do have have suddenly taken on great value. So this is, why, you know, if I could give you words of wisdom, it's to realize that for every negative thing, there's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. There's actually, it's like, you know, it, it, I know this, you know, gets into some deep philosophy, but but if you think about the way God created, create, you know, made creation, there's these diametric forces, right? Light and dark. Mm-hmm. Good and evil, right? You have all the right, and we live between these things. And so, the reason why good is good is because of evil. Like, without evil, we would have no concept of what good looks like, right? Mm-hmm. So, sometimes the negative things that we face are actually God's way of showing us how valuable and precious the good things are. Mm-hmm. And you see this, and it's it's like this all the way through life. We all of a sudden, you know, it's at funerals where we appreciate our lives more. We suddenly have this sense of value about I'm alive. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, have you ever talked to somebody that's had terminal illness and been healed of it? They live every day with this sense of gratitude, and they, you know, they suck the marrow out of life because they know what it's like to almost have lost it. Right. So I'm just saying we're in a season right now where it appears that there's a lot of negative things happening, but there's some really incredibly good things that are happening. And the amazing thing about it is God always shows up in the most incredible ways. It's just that you have to look at things differently. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that I've always asked myself is what was it that Simeon and Anna had that they recognized in the voice of a little child in the temple, the purposes of God. Hmm. Nobody, everybody else just saw a little baby. Those two old people heard in that cry, the purpose of God. And they recognized that, that there was, there was purpose there. That's what we've got to have in this hour. We have to be able to see the hand of God moving in things that are in, in its immaturity. Right. And it's small beginnings. Yeah. 
Man, that's some good stuff. That's really encouraging. And I think that that'll help people to, um, to not, not despair in light of the reality, because, you know, as we've seen, uh, even in the, the crucible of 2020 and, and the terrible year that was in a lot of ways, it was also a year filled with a lot of goodness and blessings, you know, for all of the families that, uh, like mine were stuck together at home for a year. I mean, those were some of the, our best memories as a family now. And so, mm-hmm. so like you're saying in, in everything, there is, uh, there is a, a, an upside or a positive. And we know that to be true because of scripture where God actually tells us and promises us that, um, everything is working together for good, the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So it's not necessarily true for unbelievers, but it is true for, for Christians and Christ followers that he is working things for our ultimate good, even if it means suffering in the meantime. So, yeah, that's right, man. Thank you so much, Bob. Um, where can people learn more about you, get your book, all that? Well, I have a website, which is www.jocomglobal.com, which is Joseph Company Global, but it's J-O-C-O, Jocom, J-C-O-M, and then global.com. And then the book is called In the Company of Joseph on Amazon. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So they'll have to use Amazon to get the book. Exactly. But we all got to make some choices, right? Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. And this has been great. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. And I've enjoyed the conversation. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Have a great rest of your week. Come find me on Instagram at HaleyWilliams.Kindle to say hello. And if you are in Patreon, I will be talking with you Friday as well as tomorrow night. Uh, And if not, I'll see you next Monday. Have a great week.